Hi, and welcome to another episode of the Thriving on Purpose broadcast. And tonight we continue our incredible Kingdom Leadership series. And I say incredible because we've been I've been blessed by doing this. Uh, obviously, as you, as you prepare teachings, you are the first person who's blessed, who's, who benefits from it. And tonight we're going to talk about something that I think we all need more of, and that is humility. Yes, for those of you that don't know us, I'm Elizabeth Richard, and this is my husband, Sebastian Richard. And um, yeah, we we are doing this leadership series, and the, the Holy Spirit uh, really inspired us to do d- these different teachings um, that we've been doing. Uh, I think we have seven or eight all together, and um, it's really going to help you as a kingdom citizen that's a part of the army of God to really... Um, understand all the components, all the things that we need to uh, work at uh, to build our character, to build ourselves, um, to to be powerful for the and fruitful for the army of God. So this is we're talking about humility. Um, you know, we're not talking about it because we're like experts in this. But um, you know, well, we've well, learned a lot of. Well, I'm an expert things. in the other thing. I'm a, I'm an expert in pride. So yeah. <laughs> I know what I'm missing here. <laughs> and I, as I was building the study, it's it's humiliating in the right way. Uh, it's humbling, I should say. When you're uh, building this up, you, you, God shows you. Mm-hmm. God showed me as I was building this teaching on humility, uh, the areas I need to work on. And I know that it's, I don't think anybody can say, well, I'm qualified to, to speak on humility. I'm the best at, there is at, at speaking about that. It's, it's not something that you can feel uh, qualified for, but it's something that's so necessary. Uh, I don't think God can use us uh, powerfully unless we are humble. And uh, we're going to look at uh, uh, everything. There's a lot of content that we have to go through tonight, but I know, I know you're going to be blessed. It's, and, it's fantastic. And I really want you to stick around. I know this is not a, a popular topic. This is not a cool topic. And a lot of people think, well, I'm not prideful, so I don't need to listen to this. I don't, you know. Well, right there, not, right there. If you said I'm not prideful, you need to listen th- to this. Like you, you might be thinking, <laughs> you know, this is not an area I really need to work work at because I'm not always boasting on what I do. And, you know. And yeah, yeah. It's very like I like what you're saying, Liz, because it's not it's subtle. It's subtle. It's very, very subtle uh, to fall into pride and, and to stay in, humble in our ministry um, also, you know, with our giftings, sometimes our giftings can bring us into an area where, um, you know, we're, we're happy to be used by God, but it could slip very easily into pride um, by, by not giving God the recognition mm-hmm. every time he uses you or gives you, you know, these amazing insights or uh, maybe, you know, he, like he used you for powerful healing. And so it's really important to always give him the glory. And no matter what you do in your ministry and how he uses you to give him back the glory uh, so that you stay in that humble mindset. Amen to that. Uh, and yeah, I love the fact that you bring how subtle it can creep up on you. Uh, pride, that is. So mm-hmm. both uh, we know like in the New Testament, especially, uh, we're reminded in many diverse, many different places uh, about humility, about we're warned against pride in many other places. Uh, both uh, Peter and James remind us in, in their respective epistles that God resists the proud, but he gives grace 
to the humble, uh, which is a, <laughs> a great reminder. Uh, the dictionary defines humility, and I liked it. I'm going to share it with you. The dictionary defines humility as a modest or low view of one's own importance. I like that. So a modest or low view of one's own importance. There was a, a preacher when I was younger who uh, gave us a teaching and, and, and we were all the leaders in ministry at the time. And uh, he was so he was talking to a group of men and we were all leaders in ministry. And he says, you know, you guys might think you're accomplishing things for God and you probably are. And that's great. He says, but always remember, always keep in mind that each and every one of you, when it comes to your job, when it comes to your ministry, yeah. you're all replaceable. And he said, the only place where you're not replaceable is towards your wife and your kids. Mm. And he was giving a teaching about um, family life, about being a husband and being a father and all that. So I thought that was so uh, on point, but the, it, it always uh, served to anchor me. I always got anchored to that truth that God can raise up. You know, uh, John the Baptist said, he was uh, speaking to uh, the Pharisees, I think. And he said, don't come to me in pride saying, oh, we're sons of Abraham. And John the Baptist says, God can raise up from any one of those stones, sons of Abraham. Mm -hmm. So if he can do that with stones and turn them into sons of Abraham, imagine us in ministry or doing his work, doing the, the calling he put on our lives. Uh, it, you know, you can if we become prideful, you can just shoot, choose someone else. Uh, and that's that's going to be usable. And that's going to glorify who's going to glorify him. Yeah. And um, and, you know, be careful uh, for, you know, those those people that um, are seeking for one anointing and another anointing. They want to you know, they, they constantly want more anointings because. Um, sometimes the motive is not the right motive mm. in the prophetic world. You know, they um, instead of asking God to give the anointings that he wishes yes. to give you for the seasons that you need to go through mm. and how how are you going to bless the people um, is the, the right mindset. So, Lord, you know, what anointings, how do you want to bless me in that way me, yeah. to to use me? to help other people as opposed to, I want this anointing. I want that anointing. Yeah. Um, and you know, we, sometimes we, we they, they crave yeah. or they covet a certain anointing that's very rare or that's only been seen on a certain person in the last hundred years, you know, things like that. It, it could be very easy. Um, you know, God oftentimes will not honor that, to a heart that's that could fall into pride easily yeah. because they know that the minute that they have that anointing, they'll become prideful and, and the character will fall. Absolutely. It, it, yes. It seems like we're on a quest for, for more. We think that, Oh, I, I I'm seeking more of God through his gifts. Not really. You're seeking more of the power of God. Uh, it's exciting. I, I, get special. It. I get it. I get it. We all, special, we all want yeah. that. And, uh, but uh, you have to question your motives, like you said. Question yourself. Ask yourself, why am I asking God for this? Mm -hmm. uh, this gift, this anointing, this extra whatever. Your heart really has to be in the right place. Yeah. You, you have to show the Lord that. Um, and I don't even know if you can show him that. I think that no, he yeah. has to build that in you. Yeah. 
um, to have the right heart to serve in the right way. And, um, you know, to really leave it up to him to, to decide what, what is, is best. Yeah. Because don't forget your anointings go with your calling and your purpose. Right. So you can want a certain anointing, think that, oh, this would be great because of this. This would be great because of that. And it's not at all what God called you to do. Mm. You know, uh, it's it's like, mm. you know, if I'm not meant to, um, I don't know, let's say I put it in my head that tomorrow morning I want to become this famous author and I ask the Lord for this scribe pen anointing and that I want to write like Sebastian writes, well, he might, you know, the Lord might tell me, well, that's not what I designed you for. That's not your purpose. Or he might tell you, know? you since you are one flesh with Sebastian, there you go. You get the same anointing. <laughs> he can write it. <laughs> no, but, you know, it's just an example. Some some prophetic people, I've seen a lot of people um, want a certain thing. And just because they feel that that would fit them best. Yeah. And it's not at all what God has designed them. You know, we're thriving on purpose. We're all about talking about purpose. So we talk a lot about purpose. And I think that's one of the things that I've learned about diving into the prophetic world and learning how um, God operates and anointings and all that. And I, and that's why I'm talking to you about this, because I know that for a lot of you, this is something that um, you've been wanting and you have to just be careful of that because um, it's really important to to understand that God designed you for a specific purpose and he knows what anointings are best for that purpose, that accompany that purpose. Um, and the Holy Spirit is going to give you that when it, the time and season is is right, but that your character has to be able to um, keep you keep, keep you in that anointing. Yeah. You have to have a good foundation. And that's why we're talking that's, about being humble. And, and this that's whole part series, of your character. This whole series about leadership is about building that foundation where you will be equipped uh, to advance uh, in the glory of the kingdom of God in every season mm -hmm. with, with everybody and uh, with a, a humble heart. Obviously, this is so, so important. And I was talking earlier about uh, the definitions of the dictionary. I looked also at the Merriam-Webster and Merriam-Webster uh, defined humility as freedom from pride or arrogance. Mm. And I love that. It's the freedom from uh, the sin. So we tend to see uh, humility as a thing in itself. But I think humility is also, and, and probably even more so, the absence of pride. Mm -hmm. Think about that. That's a powerful, powerful definition from Webster Dictionary. Yeah. C.S. Lewis, great quote. C.S. Lewis said, true humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. Mm. Wow. I love that. Yeah. You know, we, we, mm. we in, in, in our churches, in religion in general, obviously um, pride is something that is scorned. Pride is something that is frowned upon. Uh, not scorned, but frowned upon, uh, looked at uh, as something that we we need to all get rid of. But sometimes the religious way to address pride goes at it the wrong way. And, and I, here's what I'm saying. Uh, in my book, uh, a book I wrote, uh, The Law of Attraction, Is It for Christians? I, I spoke about this. I spoke how in when we're in religion, when we're in a, a church that's very religious, that has a religious pastor, 
this can really massacre our identity or how we, what we think of ourselves, how we think of ourselves. They are so against any sign of pride that they can, they can actually destroy our identity. Yeah. And by doing so, it doesn't make you humble. It makes you someone who has low self-esteem. And yeah. here's what I'm talking about. Uh, you know, when, we're, when we first come to Christ, oftentimes what we've heard in order to repent of, of you know, to, repent means to change your mind about God. So you do a 180. Mm -hmm. So you go from I'm living life on my own terms to from now on, I'm making a Jesus. I'm making God the Lord of my life. I'm going to live on his terms. What makes us go to that, to make that decision, oftentimes is stuff that we hear in church, such as, and you've probably heard those, uh, I jotted them, jotted them down, they're from the book I, I, I wrote, like I mentioned earlier, you're a sinner saved by grace. So you're a sinner, they're, they're going to use that to bring us to Christ, but after, once we're in Christ, the Bible says we're holy. The Bible says we're kings and priests and, and, and that we're, we have a high calling on our lives, right? That's what the Bible says. But in religion, they're going to tell you, you're a sinner saved by grace. Don't you forget that. <laughs> or, or they're going to say, they're going to repeat to you, Jeremiah 17, 9, your heart is corrupt above all things. And the heart is corrupt above all things. Who can know it? So they remind you that you're, you're corrupt. But see, this is an unregenerate heart. An unregenerate, I can't, I'm losing my English. An unregenerate heart is corrupt. That's, the, that's in Adam, not in Jesus Christ. You are undeserving of God's grace. Ever heard that? It's true. Absolutely. Before yeah. salvation. Mm -hmm. After salvation, uh, it's a whole nother story. The God's grace accompanies us every day. Why? Because the Holy Spirit lives in us. And guess what? We are now deserving of God's grace, but we're undeserving as uh, as sinners before we come to Christ, right? Mm -hmm. That see, that's the difference. That is very subtle. You are inherently evil. I know Calvinists love to use that a lot. You are inherently evil, like you're totally depraved, total depravity. Um, again, an unregenerate man is depraved. In other words, he, he, he's sinful. Uh, but total depravity, I think that's pushing it, obviously. Uh, you are fallen. Well, yes, again, in Adam we're fallen, but in, in Jesus Christ we're risen. I, I used to teach a, a class on baptism back in, in a, a church when I was younger, and I taught them this. I said, it's very simple. You need to understand what's going to happen in that water when you get baptized, right? So first, uh, you're standing up. So you identify yourself with Jesus Christ crucified. Then you're buried under the water. You identify yourself with Jesus Christ buried. And then you get back out of the water and you identify yourself with Jesus Christ risen. And so this, uh, you are fallen. No, you're not fallen anymore. You were fallen in Adam. Uh, but they, they repeat that all the time. So it, it really massacres. And I've seen people struggle greatly uh, with all these things because they kept repeating them Sunday after Sunday after Sunday. And they didn't become humble as a result. They became people with low self-esteem mm -hmm. who thought that they were deserving of God's wrath even after salvation. And I've seen some people doubt of their salvation after they were saved because of doctrines that are repeated Sunday after Sunday after Sunday. Doctrines such as these that are useful 
pre when you evangelize pre salvation they're useful but after this when you when you spread that message uh, weekly to the sheep constantly it's not good for them it doesn't bring it, them humility it brings them low self esteem yeah and i think that that comes from you know the, the a lot of pastors are so afraid to fall into that greasy grace yeah. a way of thinking because they don't want people to slip and think, oh well, you know, I'm saved by grace. Yeah. I can say that that prayer once. And they don't want now, to, they don't want people to become prideful. I don't need to be reminded of my sin every day. That's not good for my mental state. So I'm just gonna, you know, go on living and doing the best that I can and that's it. Yeah. And not being conscious that they are sinners, that you know they're they have to fight their flesh and there's things that they do, there's sins that we do without even realizing it mm -hmm. because God is so holy and and we're not. And so we have to constantly ask God for forgiveness for our sins. And that's important, but there's a, a difference between being conscious of that and confessing your sin and realizing that it's important to do so. And, you know, smacking yourself on the head, feeling like you're completely inadequate I'm for God. And you can't I'm move disgusting. One, uh, one foot forward because you're this yeah. horrible, horrible sinner. Uh, you know, I, I, I saw that I lived with my grandmother that, um, was you know her mindset was greatly affected by the war mm. and um so she had this very um this mindset that you know any sin that she did anything that she's done it's like so horrible that it's like she almost didn't believe even if she believed in jesus and his forgiveness she couldn't believe in a way that he could forgive her yeah you know she wanted to believe it and she did believe it at moments but at other times she'd constantly be like, oh, well, I did this. This is so horrible. You know, like I'm like in our mind, she was just as bad as a murderer, you mm -hmm. know, even if yeah. it wasn't, um, you know, she had asked for forgiveness for whatever she had done. She was super repentant. And so what that led is that she basically lived a life of uh, constantly, you know, hitting herself over the head. Self-condemnation. For, yeah. um, well, you know, for something that she had done, which was wrong, but it was, you know, out of ignorance. And um, anyway, when she realized it, because she got saved years later and she realized that it was wrong and she asked God for forgiveness, then she um, just left, lived her life in that way, um, not moving forward, basically. Mm -hmm. You know, it's very easy for the devil to um, come in and steal your future by reminding you of your sin and your past and how unworthy you are and, and, and make you feel like, uh, you're nothing. So uh, there's a there's a middle and, ground. And I, to and have I think here. I remember I had a conversation with her about that. And I'm we're not going to go into the details, but um, and I said, "Well, you're so prideful." And she looked at me. I said, "You're so prideful." She said, "Why?" I said, <laughs> "Because you think you're greater than God." She's like, "What? No." And he's talking and then, to this really humble eighty-five-year-old, humble, humble little woman. You wouldn't like. You wouldn't believe. And I said, "Check this out." I, I, we all called her grandma. I said, "Check this out, grandma. God has forgiven you a long time ago about that. Are you more powerful than God that you're gonna hold on to that sin when He cast it out far, far as far as the east is from the west? That's how far He cast it." And you're still holding on to it? Are you more holy than God? If he forgot about it and if he forgave you, how dare you hold on to that sin? And she looked at me. And I remember 
And she went like, I could see the wheels were turning. And I don't know if it affected the rest of her life. I, I, we never spoke of this again. But I did, I did tell her that she needed to let it go. She needed to mm. let it go. I remember that conversation. Mm. Jesus in the Gospels said something very powerful. In Matthew eleven twenty nine. 29, he said, Take my yoke upon you. So that's when he gave the invitation to all you who are heavy laden. Come to me and I will give you rest. So he said, Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you. That's from the New Living Translation. Let me teach you. Because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Mm. Other versions where he says, let me teach you, he says, learn from me. Learn from me. That's so important because he's talking. He says, learn from me because I am humble. Mm. Whoa, there's a, there's a huge learning curve in, when it comes to humility. So let me ask you a question about Jesus. Did Jesus desire to form humble followers or humble leaders? Hmm. See, that's a very powerful question you need to ask yourself here. Jesus wanted to form leaders. And yet he placed humility very, very highly on the list of priorities that a leader should have. But Jesus, make no mistake about it, he didn't want followers. He wanted to forge leaders out of steel. And, and this is what I've repeated over and over again during the series. If you're a kingdom citizen, if you're born again in Jesus Christ and you're regenerated by the Holy Spirit, there is a leadership calling on your life. Whether you feel it or not, whether you believe it or not, whether you know it or not, there's a leadership call on your life just because of who you are now as a kingdom citizen. It's not because of what you accomplish, not because of what you're capable of. It has nothing to do with that. It has to do with your identity, who you are. And with that leadership call, there's also a call to humility. So that, that's, that's the kingdom for you. The kingdom is always, um, it seems like it, it's contradictory or counterintuitive. I'm supposed to be a leader and yet I'm supposed to be humble. How do you do that? And we're yeah. going to look at that today. We're going to look at that. So... Uh, so how does how does humility translate into power and influence in the kingdom of God? How does that how is that even possible? Because humility doesn't seems to be anti-power, mm -hmm. anti-influence. Yeah, it seems to be, but that's not true. That's some that's a preconception we have in our minds. But here's the answer. The simple answer, short answer, is God. God, and here's where I'm going with this. In the Word of God. James 4.10 says, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will exalt you. So he does it. Matthew 23.12, whoever exalts himself will be humbled. And whoever humbles himself will be exalted. Mm -hmm. Make no mistake, that's by God. By God God's going to do the exalting if you humble yourself. Matthew 18.4, whoever humbles himself like this child Jesus had brought a small child at the center as an example. Small child. Whoever humbles himself. as a, Think about the humility of a child. 
I mean, except maybe from when a child will say, my dad is stronger than your dad. That's about as far as it goes when it comes to, because <laughs> children, what, what, what happens when we're kids? We're, we're awkward. We know we have limited knowledge. Um, we, we know we're not strong. I mean, we, we see our parents lift us up every day. <laughs> we know we're not strong. So therefore we're humble. We're always dependent, always dependent, always dependent. And that's what God wants. Here's, I jotted this. That's a good quote. Humility is greatly valued by God. Therefore, it fosters promotion in the kingdom of God. It is greatly valued by God. Therefore, it fosters promotion in the kingdom of God. There's an amazing little uh, short quote here by Pastor F.B. Meyer, who was a friend of uh, Dwight L. Moody. He wrote books of his own. He wrote the following. That was so good, so precious, Liz. I used to think that God's gifts were on shelves, one on top of another. And the taller we grow, the easier we can reach them. Now I find that God's gifts are on shelves, one beneath another. And the lower we stoop, the more we get. Mm. That's how it works in the kingdom. And I think, you know, it's not a, um, you know, when he's talking about this, it's not a, having a false sense of humility where you belittle, belittle yourself no. and make yourself small. But it's more about giving God the glory. You know, um, in leadership, we see a lot of we see a lot about that good leaders, you know, when they're talking about team building, for example, um, they're going to elevate the person that they want to shine in leadership. Yeah. They know that they're good at a certain thing. They don't need the whole team to tell them they're amazing. They already know, like a, a, a confident leader confident. already knows that he's good. He's done this. He's had accomplishments. And so if if he has the right character, he's going to uplift the, the upcoming leader, if you want, in the team. The, the to others, have, yeah. To have somebody that's by his right hand that's solid in leadership and can even offer more or something different to the team than he can, right? Exactly. So it's really important to understand that in ministry um, and anything that you do in your family, you don't, when we're talking to our kids, we're always telling them, you know, there's nobody better than anybody here. There's, there's certain characteristics, certain giftings, certain strengths that you all have that are different. God made you different. So it's not good to pinpoint a certain strength and say, oh, that's your weakness or that's your, you know, we try not to do that in our family because there's no point. God, God made us all different. And the strengths that we have are for a certain purpose. Now, that doesn't mean that we don't have to work on certain weaknesses that we may have. It just means that some things you're, you're really good at. It's really easy for you to understand a certain thing. That's your strength. Then let's not go and, and you know, bash the other one because mm -hmm. he doesn't have that. Right. And so in leadership, that's really, really crucial. If you want to have uh, a thriving church, a, a thriving team, a real uh, unity. And so in ministry, it's the same thing. You know, when we see other people that, you know, maybe need a helping hand, maybe, um, you know, there's something that you can do for them that uh, elevates them in some way that God sees that. 
you know, or maybe you did something good and, and they thank you for it. And they, maybe they, you know, they mention it to people. Well, the humble thing is to give them back the, um, the accolade, if you want. Mm -hmm. uh, I remember somebody saying this, I forget how he explained it ex exactly in his words, but he was basically saying that it, every time he got a compliment, it's, he made it like roll off of him. So whatever it was, he made sure that he didn't keep it to become prideful, but he gave back the accolade. He gave back the, uh, I don't want to say the glory because it's not the right word, but mm -hmm. he gave back the credit, the, the credit. credit. exactly. Yeah. yeah, the glory goes to God, the credit yeah, goes to man. The, the credit goes to man, <laughs> exactly. So he gave back the credit very quickly. And he, and he explained that, that that was one of the reasons, you know, he didn't want to be prideful and he wanted to, to stay um, with the right mindset that he need to have to be a, a, a good servant leader. So, so whenever someone compliments you, you just look at them and say, that's what you think. <laughs> Wait, that doesn't work. No. <laughs> no. Okay. So pride is the, obviously pride. We, we looked at it. So I like the, the Webster definition earlier that uh, humility is the absence of pride. And I thought that was amazing. That was so good. Have you ever worked for a, a boss or a leader who was prideful? Was it pleasant? Nope. On a scale of one to ten, minus three. <laughs> I mean, seriously, I've minus I've 10. had I've had to deal in my in my life often with bosses who were unpleasant, and all of them, without any exception, all of the unpleasant bosses had the same problem, and it was pride, mm. and it was pride. Uh, so in the kingdom, pride disqualifies you from leadership altogether. Now, that said, we all have some degree of pride. Some have very, very, very little, almost non-existent. Praise God. It's beautiful to watch. Some a little bit more and some more. But we all have some pride left that we want to get rid of. Uh, because like Elizabeth said in the beginning, pride can be so subtle. It's, it's sometimes it's in ways that you that catches you sideways, you know, um, in your the, the, the where you don't see it. Blind side. Blind side. The blind side. It was through pride that Lucifer fell. Never forget that. And the Bible yeah. tells us in, in Proverbs sixteen eighteen that pride goes before destruction. Mm -hmm. and fall. a haughty spirit before a fall. So as we, we shorten it, we usually say pride goes before the fall. Mm -hmm. Now I have two definitions here that are very, very good uh, about humility-based leadership compared with pride-based leadership. I'm going to read it to you guys. It's powerful stuff. So humility-based uh, humility leadership is grounded in security. Knowing who you are and what you're good at and also knowing what you're not good at, and being comfortable with both. Humble leaders are secure leaders who are confident without being arrogant. They are realistic about their skills and passions, mm -hmm. while also embracing the wisdom and expertise of others. Since they don't feel the need to prove anything or hide anything, they are easier to follow and more often endeared. In other words, people like them more. Mm -hmm. <laughs> now, pride-based leadership is grounded in insecurity, not knowing who you are and what you are truly meant to be. Those without grounding 
become uncomfortable in their own skin. Prideful leaders are insecure and tend to compensate by pretending to be different, i.e. arrogant, trying to prove themselves often while hiding when they are afraid someone might find out their insecurity. May the insecurity be financial, emotional, relational, experiential, or a deficiency in competence. Mm-hmm. This is this is a very, very good assessment of what humility-based leadership looks like and what pride-based leadership looks like. And speaking of humility-based leadership, I have an amazing story that I found about a man that you might know, Booker T. Washington. Booker T. Washington was the most successful black man of his generation. At a time when black people were severely disregarded in society, I'm talking about the early 1900s, end of 1800s, early 1900s. Booker T. Washington was an American educator, an author, an orator, in other words, he was a public speaker, and an advisor to multiple presidents of the United States. That's an amazing, an amazing CV for a, a black man back in those days. So between, 19, uh, between 1890 and 1915, Washington, Booker T. Washington, was the dominant leader in African-American community of his day. He was, there was no other like him. In 1881, Booker T. Washington became the president of Tuskegee Institute, which was a college. Early on his tenure, he was walking down the street of the town when a woman stopped him. She didn't know who Washington was and mistook him for a day laborer. Remember back then, the, 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 the black people held lower positions in society. So she told Booker T. Washington that she needed some wood to be chopped at her home and asked if he could assist her. It just so happened that Washington had a rather free calendar that afternoon, and so he said that he would be glad to help. And so it was that Booker T. Washington, the president of Tuskegee, went to the woman's home and chopped her wood. In fact, before leaving, he went so far as to bring some of the wood inside and neatly stack it besides the fireplace for ready use. According to the story, at some point, there was a servant girl in the house, a young girl. She recognized Mr. Washington, and she revealed his true identity to the woman who asked for for his help. Completely embarrassed, she went to Washington and she asked, not to the town, but to the man, Booker T. Washington, and she asked for his forgiveness, to which he shrugged her off and said that he was glad to help a friend and that he enjoyed the chance to do some good manual labor. Washington's kindness and humility struck the woman in a profound way. So much, it it struck her so much that not long after that, along with some friends, she told her friends the story. Along with some friends, she donated several thousand dollars to Tuskegee, 
which was no small gift at the time. Can you imagine in the early 1900s, several thousand dollars being gifted to that college, that place. So this was an impacting. What an incredible story. One act of humility, great humility. Mm -hmm. I mean, the the man was an upstanding, a high ranking citizen. And she basically almost mistook him for a slave or cheap labor. And he didn't wince. He just went along with it with kindness, politeness, and even even, uh, over-delivered by neatly placing the wood next to her fireplace. That is an incredible lesson from uh, Booker T. Washington. Citizens of the kingdom of God are exhorted to humbly serve and anointed to rule. You can tweet me on that. You don't have to put my name. That would be that would be prideful. But you can tweet that. <laughs> Citizens in the kingdom of God are exhorted to humbly serve and anointed to rule. Think about that. That's the kingdom. Right there. That's the kingdom. Anything you want to add, Liz, to these amazing stories and quotes and stuff? Any stories come to your mind or... No, well, I think, you know, I think that that really is the right mindset to have, to always have a a heart to serve. Um, And, you know, I I really like that story because I know, I know how, you know, society and how people see, um, you know, others right now, different races and and different people and um, how they're treating each other and stuff. And I think that a lot of people have to go back to the basics, you know, um, if I just look at the stories, uh, the life of Jesus, you know, what he hes the king of glory <laughs> so many times, you know, even when we read stories and we, we talk to our kids, you know, my son's like, well, why didn't Jesus say this? Yes. Why didn't, Jesus, why didn't he do that? Why didn't he do that? And you, this, and you know, like my son's very like, you know, I want to punch a devil in the face kind of, <laughs> kind of kid. And, um, and so, you know, there's a, a great humility, you know, with having confidence in who you are in Christ yeah. and who you serve. And um, to, to that, you know, that right mindset keeps us humble to kind of turn our, our tongue, you know, a few times before we answer the person or, yeah. you know, well, yeah, say yeah, something yeah. arrogant. You see, Booker T. Washington, he, he, he didn't go in and join Black Lives Matter after that, right? <laughs> he he showed tremendous humility, yeah. tremendous humility. There's another story about Roman conquerors back in the days of Rome, ancient Rome. History tells us that when a Roman general marched in triumph into Rome, the highest ex- distinction possible, two slaves were with him in the chariot. And this is so interesting. So you got this Roman uh, general marching in triumph in Rome in a chariot, and he's got two slaves with him. Now, one of the slaves was assigned to hold is a, what they call a, a gold wreath. So they had a wreath. It was a golden wreath that was put on the head of the general. And that slave wanted to make sure it didn't fall and it stayed in the proper place when placed upon the head of the conquering general. Now, do you know what the other slave did, what his job was? Take a wild guess. You'll never find it. I'm going to tell you. (laughs) The other slave's job was to constantly whisper into the general's ear, remember, you are just a man. Mm. 
Can you imagine? I read wow. this. I was like, whoa, man, it'd be great for our prime ministers to have that. <laughs> wow, it would wow. be so awesome. What? <laughs> Think of how powerful this would be in politics today if you had one slave holding the suitcase and the other slave, uh, well, slave employee whispering in the, the, the guy's ear, being paid to do so. Remember, you're just a man. Remember, you're just a man. <laughs> I just love that. And speaking of loving something, uh, I found a great clip on YouTube. I, as you know, I, lo I love sharing clips with you guys when we do these uh, broadcasts. I don't always share some, but I have some very good clips to share with you tonight. I found this great clip. This great clip where Todd at Adkins. I, I want to give credit. I want to give credit to Todd Adkins, who's the director of Lifeway Leadership. He discusses in that clip how humility does not translate as insecurity or low self worth. And we've all met some people like that, whether in church, at work, or anywhere else. People who are very timid. People who are very self-effacing, people who don't talk much, and we think, we tend to mistakenly think, oh, there goes a humble person. But see, this is this is being shy. This is being insecure. It's having low self-worth. It is not humility. And uh, in that clip, Todd Atkins really shows the difference. So pay attention. It's about two minutes long. You're going to love this. Today, I want to talk to you about humility as a leader. Now, often there's a false perception that humility means that someone is insecure, but humility does not equal insecurity. Quite the opposite is actually true in the life of a leader. So let's take a look. First, we want to look at this quadrant and assess our confidence in ourselves. This is the, the trust, really, that you placed in yourself versus the trust that you place in God. You want to mark where those two lines intersect. Now, if you don't feel confident and you don't often trust God, then you're likely a pretty insecure leader. You have little confidence in yourself to lead well, and you don't trust God to lift you up and carry you forward along the way. Now, if you're confident, but you're confident in yourself, and you often trust yourself more than you trust God, you probably struggle with pride. Now, as a leader, you always think your way is best. You don't consider biblical counsel or biblical perspective. If we trust in God but lack confidence, we're in the devoted category. And at the surface, this doesn't seem like a real bad thing. But if you lack confidence in your personal leadership, you may always remain a keeper of the status quo. You don't want to rock the boat. And God has given you fresh vision. Uh, he's asking you to move forward boldly, and you're not ready to do that. But if you're both confident in yourself and you're confident in where God is taking you and you trust in him and his word, you, my friend, are a humble leader. And as a humble leader, you can trust God to work in and through your leadership and to help you make those bold decisions and carry through with what he's called you to. Now that you understand that humility does not equal insecurity, what are you going to do about it? We're back. 
I absolutely love that clip when I was, and it's funny because sometimes you, you look for clips and you're looking for, I was looking for um, John Wooden clips and I was looking for great, like great Tony Dungy and, and John Maxwell. And I was looking for great clips and there were, some of them were great, but they weren't necessarily uh, in line with the lesson I was trying to convey. But when I found that uh, clip by Todd Atkins, I was like, that is amazingly good. I got to share this. This is so good how he explained it. And so humility keeps you grounded. Humility keeps you grounded. Uh, so what does this mean? Well, true humility keeps you sober. It keeps you sober. It gives you an adequate view of yourself. And having a grounded view of yourself or an adequate view of yourself enables you to, number one, know your capacity. You know what you're capable of. But it also enables you to know your limits. You also know what you're not gifted for or talented for or capable of. It enables you to listen to others, especially those who are capable of what you're not capable of. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and it also uh, it enables you to not feel threatened by other people's successes, to make a differentiation between other people's successes mm -hmm. And what God has called you to do. And it might be the same thing, but you're, you see, humility is not, not having confidence. It's having the right kind of confidence. Enough confidence in what God has called you to do, but also confidence in the God who called you. And true humility, the, the type that keeps you grounded, makes you a fantastic team player. Everybody who, who plays, whether in sports, and church engage with people in church and at work anywhere if you are with someone who is humble that person is always appreciated i don't know anybody humble who was hated well hated i yeah. mean some people might dislike i mean that's human nature but generally speaking they are beloved team players and everybody likes to have them on their team because they add value to the people around them. Yeah. They make everyone around them better because they they know. They know their strengths. They know their limits. They know other people's strengths. They know how to encourage. They know the timing of things. Humility, huge. humility yeah. is so, so precious. It's it's very, very important to to be that encourager, you know, when uh when you know that you can do something uh, fairly well and you, you get the recognition for it because they notice it, because it's a strength. And you're you're not broadcasting it, but it, it's it's known. And you know to give them that that um, to to give it back to people to to uplift them and try to encourage them to to do well and to encourage them and, and see if there's something that you can help them with. Mm -hmm. And um, you know that's that's really important. You know, and we we try to show that to our kids a lot. You know, my son he's 11 years old. He's older than the other ones. And um, sometimes he'll be like, well, I can do this or I can do that. And, you know, that, again, comes from we know because we know him very well. It's he has insecurities. He has low self-esteem in certain areas. And so he tends to try to knock the other one down or, or uplift himself that he's better. And we are constantly telling him and we've we've seen this in leadership many, many times in team building, you know, there's no one's going to benefit from you saying that you're so great at a certain thing that you're better than another person. No one wants to follow a leader like that. And it's the same thing in church ministry. 
It's the same thing when you're in a, in a ministry. If you want to have, you know, those, um, those great leaders that want to feel appreciated, that, that do feel appreciated, that want to stick around, that want to be by your side and, and really uh, encourage you and, and work with you, they have to feel like they are of value. So it's really important to, to remember that, to always give it back, like yeah. we were saying earlier. Yes, yes. There's, no, there's no power in, in pushing others down to make ourselves feel uh, better. Uh, there's no power in that. Mm -hmm. uh, when you have true humility, you will not get puffed up when you succeed, mm -hmm. nor will you beat yourself up when you fail. See this? That's that's being grounded. That's the soberness that humility brings. I, I like what Paul, the apostle, admonishes us in Romans chapter 12, verse 3. Here's what he says. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. Mm -hmm. That is such a good view of how we should um, see ourselves or judge ourselves. It is possible to be too big for God to use you, but it's never possible to be too small for God to use you. Mm -hmm. Think about that too. That's that's something else. That is something else. Yeah, I, and I heard and this. I, I heard. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Liz. Yeah, and I, I heard. Um, I think it was Troy uh, Brewster that was sharing his story about um, his encounter with the Lord and how he was seeking for the Lord early in his ministry. And um, he explains, you know, the the vision that he had and all that. And at the end, he said that the Lord had specifically told him, you know, if he would make himself small, that the Lord mm. would would become bigger, you know, uh, that his, that the Lord would shine bigger in his ministry. And I thought that was so powerful, you know, how God really wants to, to have the glory and to, to be the one that gets the recognition and he uses us in a mighty way so that we can, um, you know, shine in a different way to, towards non-believers, right? It's all about um, salvation and about uh, being a powerful testimony to, to unbelievers so that they get saved. Mm. So it's really important to, to keep that uh, in mind, you know, to, to have that mindset as you grow in your ministry. Amen. And obviously, uh, unbelievers won't want to follow someone who's arrogant or puffed up or, or has signs of pride. And not not a follow, but they won't be interested in your God. But not nor will they be interested in your God if you always uh, uh, belittle yourself uh, and, and trash yourself and 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 say uh, things about yourself like I'm just a sinner saved by grace and I'm sucky and I'm this and I'm that and oh God had mercy on my soul because I sucked so bad and yeah or they, they, or there's ways that you can say these or things, diminishing there's, yourself there's or yeah. diminishing yourself constantly you know. You were made in the image of God. And so, you know, like we're, we're trying to show a balance here. One Amen. is not better than the other. No. There's, there's extremes to both yes. and both yes. can hinder your ministry. Both can hinder your, your, your walk with God, your character. Yeah. And, you know, you have to remember that God created you. He didn't make junk, right? He made uh, a wonderful human being that he sees uh, that has this wonderful potential. Absolutely. You know, when he looks at you and he sees you, he sees what he designed and what's possible. What's and, possible. And he, not, see, he sees you uh, as, as 
completely accomplished. Like when God looks yeah. at you, he sees all of your potential and everything that you can be. Mm-hmm. And, and, and he loves that. He loves that because that's who he created you to be. And, and when we work towards becoming that, God is well pleased. Exactly. Well exactly. And if we're always like hitting ourselves on the head, then we're never that, doing we're, any we're, personal development. We're hindering development. ourselves. We're hindering ourselves from our potential. Exactly. We're not uh, doing any personal development. You know, it's okay to pat ourselves on the back when we've done something that we know was difficult that the Lord has asked us to do. And, you know, we, we did that thing that we feared or whatever, or maybe we had to learn a new skill set, uh, a new strength or something. And, you know, that's very powerful to, to say, you know, wow, you know, I, I was able to do this. And it's by the grace of God, you know, always yeah. remembering that Almost God helped us and asking God. him for his help to do certain things. Right. Taking it one step at a time and being amazed that, wow, you know, with God's help, I was able to do this and this. Look at how much my ministry has shifted. Look at how much I've I've accomplished because of God's help mm-hmm. and and who I've become in the process. Right. So I think that that's really important that we think that way. Yeah. And God is well pleased with that. Yeah. Uh, as we reach the end of this broadcast, there's two more clips we want to share with you. But it's a special treat for me to share a clip uh, of a hockey player that I greatly admired growing up. And uh, Joe, if you're listening. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, my favorite hockey player was Joe Sackick growing up. And, you know, when, when I first began following his career, he, he just started out in the NHL. He was like 19 years old. And uh, back then, I think I was like 13 years old or 14 years old. Um, I, I didn't value his humility. I just valued his ability to score goals and to be exciting on the ice. And to, I liked to watch him. And, and I, I was so happy because he was so talented. And he played for my favorite team. Uh, but as I grew up into manhood, and, and he also had a 19-year career, so I began appreciating his other qualities. Uh, at the end of his career, Joe Sackett, there was a, a, a poll taken. I didn't tell you that. I think I, I might have told you that. There was a poll taken all across the NHL of which player, the teams, all the players mm-hmm. in the NHL, who, which player did they admired or, res- no, not admired, respected the most, respected the most. Mm-hmm. And the name that came up the most across the NHL back then, Joe Sackett was at the end of his career was Joe Sackick. And I want to show you what kind of person, what kind of humility Joe, because he was he was called Quoteless Joe. That's another thing. The newspapers came into the room. Uh, there was a big victory. They were, they were winning in the playoffs, and they wanted, like, spectacular quotes. You know how newspaper uh, people are. They, they, they love, they relish the, the big quote or the, 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 something that they're going to be able to print in their newspaper and go, like, wham, look at what Joe Sackick, the captain of the avalanche, said. And yet they never got that from Joe Sackick because it was always – like she said, deferring, uh, going, uh, deferring the credit, giving giving recognition to other uh, teammates all the time, all the time. So they called him quoteless Joe because it was, he never had anything flamboyant or incendiary (laughs) to say, but that's what made him so humble and appreciated by all of his teammates. He was Mr. Hard work. He, he, He came in every day, worked harder than everybody else. And he was super talented. And he was super humble. And he had these incredible numbers at the end of his career that placed him like, I think it was like 11th all time. 
So it was a tremendous player. But in this particular clip, Joe Sackick does something that no player has ever done before or since. It is customary when a team wins the Stanley Cup, the captain of the team is handed the cup. Yeah. And as soon as the captain of the team is handed the cup, he raises it at the top of his arms with a big cheese and he starts celebrating with the rest of the team. That is tradition. It's always and been done. And they lift them up and they, yeah. But that particular year, Joe Sackick, uh, that's in 2001, uh, Joe Sackick had had the best season of his career, an amazing career, amazing playoff run. In the Stanley Cup final, they reached a seven-game finals. They went to the limit against the New Jersey Devils. It was spectacular on all accounts. It would have been more than appropriate for him to raise that cup with a big cheese and, and, and a heartfelt emotion and joy that comes with winning the Stanley Cup. But that particular year was Raymond Bork's second year with the Avalanche. Ray Bork had played 22 years in the NHL, and he was a great leader in his own right. And he was not the captain. Joe Sackick was the captain. And I'm just going to leave it at that. But Joe Sackick, since Ray Bork didn't win the cup in 22 years, did something that is still spoken of to this day as probably the classiest, most amazing gesture in NHL history. So here's the clip. I hope you guys enjoy it as much as I have. <laughs> June 9th, 2001, the Colorado Avalanche defeated the New Jersey Devils in an emotional Game 7 of the Stanley Cup Final. Goaltender Patrick Waugh won the Conn Smythe Trophy as playoff MVP for the third time, more than any other player in league history. But it was a veteran defenseman who stole the show, starring in one of the most iconic moments in hockey history. Joe Sagan immediately turned and handed to Ray Bork, who lifted up and over his head. Ray Bork, 22 years, has waited for this. Joe had an incredible year that year, but I tell him that's the best assist he's ever had is passing me the cup, and uh, what a classy move on his part. He's an icon of the game, just a tremendous person, tremendous player, and he wanted to win that cup so bad, and uh, um, I just felt it was the right thing to do. And there's a great shot of his son in tears, and I think that's how we all felt. We were just so happy, the tears of joy on everybody's face when Ray finally lifted that cup. You don't deserve to win the cup, but when you play as long and hard and great as Ray Bork does, there comes a point when you deserve to win the cup. And I was just so happy for him. In 22 years and trying to accomplish that, incredible story, an incredible feeling, just an incredible relief. So I absolutely love that moment. I was in tears uh, when that happened. I, I was so I was screaming all over the house. I remember when that happened uh, when they won that cup. But the humility. See, J Joe Sackick was the leader. He was the captain of the team, but he demonstrated in that particular moment an incredible humility. Something that is rarely seen in sports or in Especially life. Especially in sports. <laughs> in sports or in life. But it was so beautiful to watch. And uh, it, 
and it was a pleasure to share with you guys that clip because I think it really shows. See, it doesn't take away from the talent of Joe Sakic. It doesn't take away from his accomplishments, but mm -hmm. it really shows tremendous leadership. Even though he was this quiet guy in the locker room, he rarely spoke up. He just preferred to demonstrate example on the ice. When he went on the ice, you knew he was the leader. When he was in the dressing room, it was more than a quiet type, uh, didn't speak up too much. He led that to other guys. There were other guys in the dressing room who were a little bit more verbal. But on the ice, everybody knew that this guy was their leader. And that clip really shows it. Yeah. Well, okay. So I said we had a, three clips to share. Anything you want to add before I share the final clip and we we, uh, we tell people, uh, we wish people a wonderful week and, and <laughs> we close the show. Yeah, so we're going to share a clip by John Maxwell, the, the expert in leadership himself, talk about humility. Um, Actually, we're going to share the clip as we end the show. So you're going to be like leaving the show as you as you see this and uh i'm sorry i was i i didn't uh hey chris brother nice to see you thanks for joining us on our live i'm, I'm not good at getting all the comments <laughs> comments neither <laughs> I. I suck at it i really suck at that this is one of the things i'm not good at getting the comments when i'm on Streamyard. i have a hard time managing all the stuff anyway i hope that this uh teaching blessed you um and uh, i encourage you to go check um, thrivingonpurpose.com. Uh, we have free resources there. We have uh, all our podcasts that you can download and listen to um, wherever you're listening from. And don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel. Um, and so uh, I hope that you really enjoyed this teaching on humility. I think it's one of the uh, most important things Absolutely. to constantly ask ourselves uh, the, the, you know, are we uh, falling into slipping into pride in in what we're doing in our ministry and, and the different things that we're doing with our strengths and we were talking about that today you know we were looking at at ourselves and having some introspection of of how we are you we're, know? we're how too we're too introverts so once we get started talking about introspective stuff it, it can go for a long time <laughs> we talk a long time yeah and you know we we can become prideful as a mom as a you know, amongst other women, we have to be careful, you know, to not, um, that's something that I've always tried to be very careful of, because I oftentimes could feel that other women felt threatened, you know, by certain things that I, that, that I do, you know, I'm this person that I love experiencing things in life. I like trying new things. I like, I like being good at stuff, you know, that I can be good at. If I, uh, suck at making bread, I'll make it a challenge to to learn how to make bread and do it really well, you yeah, know, and then that the truth and and, you know, whatever <laughs> it may be, it's just like a personal challenge for me. It's not because I'm trying to be better than somebody else, you know, no, it's just because you and wanted to eat good. It's bread. a challenge for myself. <laughs> yeah. And so that's just an example. You know, when when I got married, uh, his uh, mom made really good soup, you know, yeah. and uh I losing my mom really young. I couldn't really ask her how to, you know, how, what are the tricks to making soup and this and that. And so I realized early on that I sucked at making soup. I was really not good at it. And I made other dishes really well, but I was really not gifted. And I, and I said, I made it a challenge of, to myself to really learn this ta this skill and be really good at making soup. And today, and today I make amazing soups. soups. So when people come over, 
they're like, oh, Elizabeth, you make bread, you make your own soup, you make this, you make that. And they, you know, and they kind of like stop and look at themselves and go, well, I'm not doing that. Like, and kind of feel inferior and kind of like go, well, you're so this and you're so that. And I'm like, no, you know, like for me, it's like, you can learn this too. You know, I learned it. Here's the recipe. (laughs) I I went on YouTube and I figured it out and I tried stuff, you know. Like it's it, for me, and I'm using this example just because it's a relatable example. It could be anything in life, you know. A lot there's people that are doers that want to to learn. It's a personal challenge for them, and they do more with their lives, and they they will experience life to the fullest yes. because of it. Um, it could be you know a challenge you may have to read certain books to become uh, very knowledgeable in a certain area. Uh, you know, that we, we know there's so many different lanes, certain books that we can read about certain things uh, that are pertaining to the Bible that teach us more. Right. Um, and so, you know, somebody might go like, wow, that's so impressive. You read 100 books this last year. Well, yeah, because the person made it made it a priority. Right. And so it's important not to feel threatened by other people's accomplishments accomplishments in whatever and however small they may be, but to look at ourselves and not think, oh, that person's so much better than I am, but think, how can, how can I do something like that? You know, what am I kind of missing out on? What would I enjoy, Mm -hmm. you know, being better at or studying more or, you know, being good at a certain thing and, and uplift others, encourage others to do the same. Yeah. It's funny because, uh, well, Jason was in the office this week and, and it's it's hilarious that you say that. Uh, he's in the office and, and there's all kinds of books and bookshelves are kind of untidy, let's just put it that way. Uh, and he sees, I have a, a, a course I bought on Amazon to learn Spanish. Now I speak French, that's my first language, I speak English. And he points to the box and says, is that new, Dad? I said, no, I've had that for two years. <laughs> And he says, uh, did you open it? I said, no, I didn't open it yet. So why'd you buy it? Because <laughs> I want to learn Spanish someday. <laughs> I just didn't get around to it. But that be that would be great. That's something I, I would like to challenge myself with. Uh, Spanish is very close to French. So I'd like to learn Spanish. That would make me a full North American. <laughs> See, these are main three languages in North America, English, Spanish, and, and French. If I can speak all three languages, I'm going to be a, a full North American. <laughs> Anyway, I uh, just wanted to share that with you guys. So we don't always accomplish what we set out to do, but it, it, it doesn't matter. It can just be funny sometimes. And as like I said, as we end this broadcast, we're going to share uh, a final uh, clip with you guys. Uh, but before we do, uh, Liz, any, anywhere, um, the people, if they want to subscribe to our uh, broadcast podcast and all that, can you give yeah. them all the... Just go to thrivingonpurpose.com and you'll see a... On the homepage, you can uh, add your information. That way you'll get our broadcast every week so you don't miss anything. Or if we, you know, are on, on a different platform with now with censoring, you'll be uh, you'll be notified through email. Oh, uh, yeah. I'll also make sure you go on our YouTube channel and uh, subscribe to our YouTube channel there. there you'll be advised. Uh, advise, you'll be uh, told when there's a new video notified, that comes out. Yeah. Notified. That's the word I was looking for. Uh, <laughs> when there's a new video that comes out. And uh, so we leave you this week with John Maxwell, who is, as you know, I think he won seven years in a row, uh, best leadership teacher. Uh, So he's someone who knows a thing or two about leadership. And he's a Christian, so he knows something uh, about kingdom leadership as well. And uh, he's going to talk to you about humility.
And we leave you with this this week. God bless you. Be blessed. And thrive on. Hi, John Maxwell here today. Welcome to Minute with Maxwell. Today's word is humility. I picked this word because um, I find it essential for a person's growth and success. Uh, humility uh, isn't some kind of a depreciating attitude where we think less of ourselves than we should. It's just an attitude where we understand who we are and appreciate that. But because we are humble in that spirit, we appreciate others. You see, a person who lacks humility doesn't appreciate and value other people. And what I found about humility is very simple. Uh, it keeps me, when I am highly successful or highly blessed, to keep my feet on the ground. It, it keeps me sensible, not stupid. It, it allows me to realize that uh, I didn't get there by myself, and there are a lot of other people that helped me get there, so it keeps me grounded. But I've also found another beautiful characteristic I don't hear a lot about in humility, and is that when I, uh, when I fail, when I lose, when I go to the bottom, it also keeps me grounded. It's those same feet on the ground that allow me to pick myself up and realize that I'm not as bad as I think I am. I'm not as bad as other people think I am. I just had a bad day and maybe made a stupid decision, but that's part of life and that I can get back up and I can recover. Humility allows me to see myself in such a way is that I not only always value others, but I value myself. And that allows me to stay in the game. 